John chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will, feel, they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I think I'm going to hold this in my hand. The Lord's good. Um, as I was speaking prior to to reading the passage. We're living in some dark times. We could say that without skipping a beat, without stuttering. There's some dark times going on. Uh, people are getting sick. People are reacting in a way that doesn't give honor to the human race, actually, much less to God. And we need to find a solution. We need to find a bearing you guys are aware of the fact that there's different ways to find your bearing if you're lost. If you're a sailor out on a boat in the middle of the ocean, what can you do? You might look towards a lighthouse to find your bearing to get home, right? If you are uh, lost in a desert, and if you're blessed enough to be like a magi, an astronomer, you'll, you'll use the stars to guide yourself, right? But we're just lowly sheep. We're just lowly sheep. So what do we need to do to find our bearing? To find our direction in the darkness? What does a sheep do? Looks toward the shepherd. That's what we need to do. We need to look toward the shepherd. Um, and it's that basic. We need to look towards him. When you feel like your worship has lost its edge, when you feel like you're worried, when you feel like um, you're down in the dumps, 
Find your bearing and look toward the shepherd. Look toward Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Let's go through verses 1 and 2, guys. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. First of all, let's get get it straight. What does most assuredly mean? What does it, in the King James, it says, verily, verily. Um, It's like Jesus is saying, please listen carefully. What I'm about to say is so true, is so certain. It's got to be clear in your mind. And what I'm going to say is true beyond true, so please listen. That's what he's trying to get us to do. Here, we have to go back a little bit in context. In the prior chapter, in chapter 9, as uh, Pastor Henry so aptly taught us, um, Jesus had healed a blind man born blind. From birth, he was blind. A miracle that had never been done before, and until this day, I don't know of another person who been healed after being born blind okay um, and he, re- he received a lot of flack for it didn't he he was accused of not respecting the Sabbath um, as a matter of fact they went to the point of excommunicating the man who was healed strange right strange so now in chapter 10 what Jesus is doing He's going to give them a lesson on what a true shepherd is. Because he's going to call them out on the carpet. As we see here in verse 1 and 2, he says, Most assuredly, okay, can't be more true than this, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Um, Pharisees in the day, of that day, and Pharisees in the Old Testament had this habit along with with kings and government leaders. They called themselves shepherds of the people. Okay. We saw how shepherdly these Pharisees acted towards the man born blind, didn't we? So did Jesus. And it's an observation he's making, and he's trying to teach them a lesson. He's trying to bring them out on the carpet and say, this is where you're wrong. Okay. He says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So what's a sheepfold, guys? Basically a pen, a corral, you might say, out here in the West, right? It's basically a wooden enclosure, perhaps stone, with a gate. And the gate was often opened. But he's saying, okay, you guys are standing here amongst the sheep, but how did you get in? Your behavior, your conduct, your life does not show me that you are a shepherd. It shows me that you climbed in a different way. Right? He says, you guys aren't legitimate. You guys are not legitimate. You're not the real deal. Because you entered the sheepfold, the, the true shepherd entered the sheepfold by the door. Okay? But some of you are not true shepherds, and you came in another way, and what you are is a thief and a robber. That's pretty to the point, right? A thief 
is someone who steals from you. He uses stealth, uh, connivory. He steals from you usually when you're not home. Usually when you're not looking. A robber is even worse. That's equivalent to the modern day mugger. He'll come at you armed to the teeth and take whatever you have. And he's accusing these so-called Pharisees, these so-called self-proclaimed shepherds of being thieves and robbers. He doesn't cut, he cuts straight to the chase, right? But he says, this is what happens with the real shepherd. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Okay? He who enters by the door. To enter by the door, uh, you had to have been announced. You had to be examined prior to come in to ascertain that you were actually one of the shepherds who had brought sheep into the fold. A fold, like I said, is basically a pen, a corral, that holds perhaps um, sheep from different, other different folds, but it's never the complete flock. Okay, it's just some partial, partial sheep that are in there. Okay. So you cut, the true shepherd comes to the door, and the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Okay, so who is this doorkeeper? Okay, we don't necessarily know exactly. Some people say it could be the Holy Spirit. It could have been the prophets. It could have been John the Baptist. I tend to lean towards the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, Jesus came... But he was announced, wasn't he? Right? In the Old Testament. If we were to go to Isaiah 7.14, right? Or Micah 5.2, Isaiah 53. These are all prophecies that led up to the appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They spoke prior of his coming. He was announced. Okay? That's... That's what this doorkeeper was there to ascertain. Is this the one? Shall I, I show who he is? Will I allow him in? Okay. That's what the doorkeeper was there for. And when that true shepherd comes, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls the sheep by name and leads them out. Okay. That's That's showing me that this shepherd has a large amount of intimacy with the sheep. Okay? A large amount of intimacy with the sheep. They are... They they have this um, capacity to do one thing. They're not capable of a lot of things. But one thing they are capable of is recognizing their own shepherd. The voice... The voice is distinguished to them. When we hear the Lord calling us, do we know Him well enough to recognize His voice? How do we get to the point where we really recognize His voice? Fellowship, pray, read the Scriptures. We have to develop that, that knack of understanding when it is that Jesus is speaking to us. If not, we can be misguided. We can be gullible to false shepherds.
Okay, so we need to understand that. So the doorkeeper recognizes the shepherd as being the legitimate shepherd and owner of the sheep. So he allows them to come in. And the shepherd, he knows his sheep by name. There's a personal investment. There's a care and a love for each one of them by name. I didn't know that, but as I studied this, shepherds back in the Middle East, and I'm not talking about Ohio and Iowa, right? They, they are so intimate with their sheep that their sheep will only come when they are called by their shepherd. They become intimate. They go as far as to name some of them, okay? Um, if we think back, what were the tools of an olden day shepherd? A staff, a rod, a sling. What was a rod for? A rod was basically a short club. Okay, what was that short club used for? Sometimes to fight off wolves perhaps, but mostly to put some discipline in these animals. If they were to wander, what would a, a good shepherd do? He'd break their, their, their legs and he would carry them on their back until they understood this man that's bearing my weight, this man is my shepherd. Have we ever gone through anything in our own lives where we said, man, I shouldn't have done that, but now, now the Lord's carrying me. He's bearing my weight, right? Shouldn't we bear each other's burdens also as brothers in Christ? Amen, we should. We should. We should follow by example, right? So it's interesting. They, they became very intimate with their shepherd. They recognized his voice. And they were ready to follow him. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. This is verse 4. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. That points exactly to what I was saying now, right? We need to come to the point that we're so intimate with Christ that we'll recognize when there's false doctrine. We'll recognize when it's not him teaching us. We'll recognize when someone is just turning the scriptures around. We'll know that that isn't our Lord. We'll know that that wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit. Good sound doctrine comes from the throne of God and is always based upon the scriptures of God, the Bible. Okay, guys? So we will become apt and understanding and following his voice only. Okay? Verse 5, Yet by no means will they follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Uh, there's no more, no more blind man than the man that doesn't want to see. There isn't more deaf man than the man that doesn't want to hear. This was simple language for them. They were all experienced at being around sheep. They were all uh, accustomed to, to the way of life in that era. They had to know that he was pointing to them. They had to know, but they acted as if they didn't know. Okay, that's what it says. It says, 
but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. That's curious. That's very curious. So, if we see the example of Christ, it should give us a good indication of how, um, not only as ministers of God's word, but as people of God's word, should live, how we should act, what what should be uh, some uh, recognizable traits of how we live and how we, we gather the sheep. Um, a, a person who is a correct shepherd, a good shepherd, he has a pop, proper entrance into the ministry. Okay, these are these are uh, six steps that are written up by a man named Adam Clark, and I, I found them to be interesting. He has a proper entrance into the ministry. Did Jesus receive a pop, proper entrance? Yeah, he was recognized by the doorkeeper in 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 the pen, right in the fold. He was recognized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and approved his ministry. So was he the shepherd? Was he the good shepherd? Yes. Likewise, when we come into ministry, our entrance entrance should be correct. We shouldn't come into the ministry for the wrong reasons. Okay. There are pastors, believe it or not, that are pastors for the money. Okay, for the money. For them, instead of being a vocation, it's what? It's an occupation. Okay? These are all things that will help us understand and understand Christ. Not only that, but to recognize who the true pastors are. We'll be able to recognize if we're being given a, a lot of baloney okay if we recognize these traits so he's got to have the proper entrance he's got to have the right reasons it's got to be a a calling a calling by god it's got to be for love for the lord for the for christ for the sheep for the souls okay okay the the correct pastor the correct shepherd he sees the holy spirit open his way as a doorkeeper to God's sheep. A pastor will come in, he'll notice when he starts teaching, are the people being edified? Are the people staying in the scriptures? Are they worshiping the Lord? Or are they here to see me? Or are they here to see the, the worship group? Or are they here to, for the fellowship? The good shepherd would understand when he brings God's word that the people are being edified. Okay. A good shepherd, he is well acquainted with the flock. We saw that with Jesus, right? We see that with Jesus. That when he speaks, he's got a very definite voice, a very definite trait that is sheep recognized. Do we understand when Jesus is talking to us? Do we recognize his traits? Do we recognize his voice and his love? Okay. He's well acquainted with his flock. He leads the flock and does not drive them or lord it over them. That's another curious thing, interesting thing that I learned about Eastern shepherds. They don't drive their flocks. They don't drive them. You know what they do? They lead them. 
They speak to them, they say, come, and they come. I read this anecdote of a, of a Jewish pastor, I mean, I should say shepherd, who had a sheep around the hills one night, and a band of, of uh, bandits, robbers, came in and took his sheep. They drove him from before the pastor, from before the shepherd. You know what he'd ha- he needed to do to get him back? He didn't go fight the bandits. He didn't go fight the robbers. He just called them by name. And when they heard his voice, they came back. They came back. It, there was nothing the robbers could do. There was nothing the false teachers could do but let them go because they wouldn't keep going. As hard as they drove them, they still went back because they only follow one shepherd. We need to follow only one shepherd. We're in a point in, in history where things are tough. But catch your bearing. Get your bearing. Follow the true shepherd. Follow Christ Jesus. Okay? And he goes before the sheep as an example. Those are some traits of a true shepherd. He was, he was uh, pointing out to, uh, to these Pharisees that the true followers of God are seeking the true representations of God. They're not into it. They're not into fake teaching. They're not into fake preachers. They're not into fake saviors. They want Christ. You serve up Christ. You speak of Christ. Um, and the congregation will be blessed. It will grow. The true shepherd leads his sheep. He does not drive them. Verses 7 to 10, guys. It says... Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Once again, most assuredly I say to you, take notice, this is as true as true can be. I am the door of the sheep. Now we have to envision what a pen looks like. It's going to be a corral either made out of wood, um, stone, or perhaps in modern day Israel, chain link fence. I don't know, right? But it's always got a door. And that door is left open. You know why? Because the shepherd himself lies across the doorway and becomes the door for the sheep. And he lets them in and out. It's at his voice that they react. It's at his voice that they seek greener pastures. We have Jesus at the door of our fold, at the, at the door of our pen. We shouldn't be going anywhere without consulting him first. We should be doing nothing without seeking his desires for our life and we should understand when he's speaking to us and when he's leading us he's the only way right he's the what the way the truth and life right John fourteen six. and he it's not a ministry that's done with it's a continuing ministry because if we read um, Romans eight thirty four, who is he who condemns 
It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So he's still being the doorkeeper. He's still allowing us to go in before the presence of the Father himself. He's still interceding for us. Okay. In Hebrews 8.1 it says, Now this is the main point of the things we are speaking or saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne, the majesty in heavens. Has he stopped being our shepherd? He's still there. He's still interceding. He's still at the door. And it's through him that we are saved. He provides greener pastures. He provides our way into heaven. How many of you guys remember in, in Matthew chapter 27, this I inevitably always mention this passage whenever I teach. It doesn't matter what I'm teaching. I always come back to this passage. You got to remember in Matthew 27, when he, Jesus expired on the cross, when he died. What happened in the, in the tabernacle? What happened in the temple? The veil before the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. To me, that's such an awesome indication that he is still shepherding us. He is still leading us. He allows us to go in and out. He is so awesome. He's so wonderful. Amen? He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Okay, in a broad sense, we always look at that and we think of what? The devil. But we've got to remember the context. Who's he speaking to? And he had already called them thieves and robbers, right? Had he not? So when we stop and think, who is that thief? He's speaking of false teachers. He's speaking of the Pharisees. He's speaking of those that, that are doing wrong by... By excommunicating someone who has just been healed? You guys know what excommunication means? That means you're, you're not only cut off from being able to attend church, you're cut off from the community of church. If your ways, your means of making a living was through the people of the church, guess what? You're on skid row now. Nothing there for you. Okay? And that's what these men did. Someone who has been blessed by the Savior himself is now on skid row. Right? Metaphorically speaking. Why? Because these guys are thieves. These guys are robbers. They're trying to impose their law instead of working in God's grace. But Jesus, okay... The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Like I said, in a broad sense, we know that's the devil. But in a specific sense, he's speaking of the Pharisees. Okay? But the good shepherd, being Jesus, he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Who's going to have that abundant life? Hmm? The sheep. Okay, guys? Um... Life above measure. Okay? It's not merely in quantity, and I would argue that it's not speaking of quantity, but it's more of the manner of life, the quality of life. 
What's an old saying that we have? We don't want to add years to our life. We want to add life to our years. While the, the time that we're here, let's do it well. Let's do it for the Lord. Because that's what he came to provide. An abundant life. Okay? A life of contentment. Not because of attaining that which I want, but, in, but for enjoying that which I have in Jesus. I have salvation. I have love. I have eternity guaranteed. And I have a wonderful family. Just to share a little bit about myself, I grew up in a way that maybe a lot of us grew up. Um, we had enough to eat. I had a roof over my head. But we certainly weren't, uh, what's the word, affluent? No, yeah. We weren't rich. Okay. Um, there was four kids and two bedrooms in the house. So my mom and dad had a bedroom. My sisters had a bedroom. And my bedroom, for as long as I can remember, was the sofa in the living room. Okay. Later on, when my little brother came in, I was thrown out into the garage. But I got my own room. But what I'm trying to say is, even though we weren't so affluent or, or well off, it was a life that was so beautiful. It was a precursor by the, man, the hand of God showing me what life would be like. I've, I've had the hand of God on my, on my life ever since I can remember. Does that mean I was saved? No, that meant he was talking to me for a while. He was being a shepherd. He was trying to get me to listen. But those days were so full of life and full of love. Not because of the quantity, but because of the quality. Okay, that's what the abundant life in Christ is. We're not going to live more life. We're going to live better life. Okay, guys? Contrary to what has been preached for a lot of years. Grab it and stuff like that, right? Blab it and grab it. That's not what it's talking about here at all. Verses 11 to 15, guys. He says, Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Amen. He is the good shepherd. He gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, what's a hireling? I spoke it a bit earlier, right? Someone who, who sees pastoring or shepherding as a means to an end. What's that end? Fill in your pockets. It's a sad thing to know presently that there are people who go through seminary, or as Pastor Al Reese says, cemetery for four years to become pastors, learn the Bible inside and out, but are never born again. They're never touched of the Spirit. Therefore, can they touch other people through God's Spirit? No. We've got to be conduits. We've got to be 
spark plugs. We got to be able to expose the truth. We got to be able to love. But when you go into it for the wrong reasons, you're a hireling. Who are you going to protect? Who are you going to defend? Who are you going to edify? Who are you going to educate? Nobody. Because when you speak, you're going to have dry words, cold words, words that don't produce life. But if you know the true shepherd and your ministry is a vocation instead of, instead of an occupation, then that's the difference. Right? We all know good policemen because to them it was a calling, it was a vocation. We know good firemen. Why? Because it was a calling. We know great nurses. Why? Because it was a calling. But we also know the mediocre ones, right? The ones that aren't so hot. They got into it because it was a good career, a good occupation. They are hirelings. We are hirelings. If we attend church just for the external benefits, and I mentioned some of them, right? For the friendship, for for the music, for for the cool pastor. No, attend church because of Christ. And the rest is frosting on the cake. So, there's a difference. The true shepherd, what's he do? What did Christ do on the cross? He gave his life for us. He laid it down. Okay? What's a hireling do? In the, in the vernacular of Brother Peter, chale, I'm not going to go there. Right? Let them figure it out themselves. I'm not going to... No, it's raining outside. I'm going to stay home today. Right? Pastor Randy should have given me two weeks to prepare. But no. <laughs> the Lord is good. Amen? The Lord is good. So are we hirelings? Or are we following the true shepherd? We gotta follow the true shepherd. We gotta recognize his voice. He knows ours. Become apt at knowing his. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. Exactly. It's for the money and does not care about the sheep. That that must be the most backward, outrageous, uh, just demonic thing in the world to have a pastor who doesn't really love the Lord. Who's in it for the money. And that's what these Pharisees were. I don't know whether it was recognition, economic status, social status, but they were good at pushing the law and putting restrictions on people even though it didn't make sense. But they lacked everything a true shepherd does. They did not give their lives for the sheep. They wanted to be served. They didn't serve. Jesus continues in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Have, have, have any of you ever tried to pa talk to Pastor Manny and he just shined you and said, no, I don't have time. He is open to anybody coming up to him and speaking to him. We know our shepherd. We know our pastor. He cares about each and every one of us. I'm not here to lift him up, but it's a good example of what a shepherd should be. 
He follows the Holy One. He has seen up close what Jesus can do, what Jesus does, and what Jesus has done. And we need to take suit. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to be false shepherds. We don't want to be thieves or robbers. Okay? We need to take time to love. Time to get to know our own. Verse 15, it says, As the, fathers, as the Father knows me, even, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you think this pleased the father? That he would lay down his life for the sheep? Yes. That was his ministry. That was his calling in life. He knew the father. The father knew him. The father knew he wasn't going to be displeased. We all have expectations of our children. And our children have expectations of ourselves. And we, if we know each other well enough, we know what we could expect. And it's such a blessing when we can expect only good things. That was the case of Jesus and the Father. It's not so much with us sometimes. But it's a good, good example. We need to be transparent. We need to love the way God loves. And I know some of us here are parents. And I know some of us here have laid down our lives for our kids. Sometimes we, we make the mistake of thinking that laying our down our life is actually literally dying. No. Sometimes it's tougher to live for our kids, right? To serve them, to provide for them, to put up with their flack, to be sacrificial, to decide to love. To decide to love, right? I've talked about that in, in, in marriage uh, ministry. You don't fall into love. Only fools fall into love. You decide to love. Because if you accidentally fell into love, you can fall right out of it. But if you have that agape love from God, and you decide to love above all things, it's going to go forever and ever. Amen. Because we're going to love the way God loves. Okay? Verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. By now we know that he's speaking of us, right? He's speaking the Gentiles. He will bring more sheep from another fold to complete his flock. You guys understand that there's a difference between fold and flock? Fold are little portions of a flock here and there. There's a Gentile fold and the nation of Israel. We have been brought into that fold. And now we are the flock. We are the people of God. And when we're brought together, we see it here at the local church. We're going to see it eventually in heaven. We are not going to be forced to stay in there. 
we are not going to have walls to encase us. We're not going to have a pin or a corral enclose us. We're going to stay voluntarily. Why are we going to stay voluntarily? Because we're going to hear the voice of the shepherd. The voice of the shepherd is what's going to keep us there. The voice of the shepherd is what's going to keep us in his family. The voice of the shepherd is going to keep us in this congregation. The shepherd being Christ. Okay. So not until we're united by the voice of the shepherd will there be true unity and worth. I'm, I'm sorry, but people are out there screaming and yelling and protesting. And I'm not going to say their gripes are ill-founded. We know there's racism, right? We know that there is such a thing as discrimination. But what is your attitude on that? Are you going to kick and scream and be horrendous? There's no way you can fix the problem by looking out. You've got to look up. You gotta look to Christ. You gotta see. That's the only time we're gonna have unity when we hear his voice as sheep and recognize him as shepherd. That's the only thing that's gonna create unity in the world. Oh, Mark, but there's different cultures, still different different races. There's no such thing as different races. It's all one race, it's a human race. But the only thing that's gonna unite us honestly and truthfully is the voice of Christ, the voice of Jesus, recognizing him as our Lord and Savior. And it'll be for all eternity. They won't need to keep us in the pen. We're going to hear his voice, and we're going to love his voice, and we're going to desire his voice, and we're going to just um, reside in it, dwell in it.